TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to TalkLine with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host... Welcome back to the program, Mom. Sarah Brenner, I have to make a public confession. It's my fault. It's been such a long time since I last had Congressman Tom Swazi on the air. He represents the 3rd Congressional District in New York, a member of the powerful House Ways and Means Committee, the Chief Tax Writing Committee of the House of Representatives. He serves on both the Oversight and Tax Policy Subcommittees. He's also the Vice Chair of the Bipartisan Problem Solvers Caucus, Co-Chair of the Bipartisan Long Island Sound Caucus, and... Uh, I remember when he ran for governor of New York and always enjoyed having him on. So, Congressman, thank you for joining us. Hey, Zeb, thanks for having me on. I thought you were going to greet me by saying, Bruchim Abayim, welcome me back and blessings. I'll say, Bruchim I'm going to say also, Moadil Simcha, good yantif. Oh, thank you so much. I hope you're having a Zisan Yar. Yes, thank you. I'm also part of the whole uh, Sukkot uh, holiday we're going through right now, so we appreciate you being here with us. So, well, I've, I'll come down and get some lulavs and some etrogs. And you have to eat the Sukkot. We'll give you some good. We'll give you some good kosher schnapps and 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 kogel. <laughs> By the way, I always ask every elected official when they come on when they're on the campaign trail: Is there any favorite kosher food that they enjoy the most? What do you enjoy the most when you go to different Jewish places? Well, I like I, I I'm I'm pretty simple, so I you know I'll eat some chicken soup and I'm happy, and some matzo ball soup makes me happy. I'll eat I like a good kugel too. All right, I'm after my own heart. That's some sort of my favorites as well. Good chicken soup, there's nothing like it. But I think we're 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 seeing a stew going on in Congress. What's happening? Uh, we have, for example, the squad has been able to push through defunding $1 billion from the Iron Dome. I know it's being replaced, but what's going on? Do they have so much clout and influence on Capitol Hill? Well, the squad failed. Uh, you know, we've pushed back against them, and today we passed a bill uh, to put that money in for the Iron Dome, uh, which I've always supported and support strongly, and it was uh, passed 420 votes to nine. So uh, we got strong bipartisan support from most Democrats and most Republicans, except for the, the outliers. Uh, we, we got only nine people voted against it. So it was a pretty, pretty successful vote. And we're going to stand strong with our greatest ally, Israel. And, uh, you know, me, uh, Zeb, I, I can, I, I'm, gonna, I'm always working hard to be the, the strongest, most pro-Israel, non-Jewish Democrat. So, uh, I'm working hard at that all the time. And doing a great job with it. But my question to you is, is that, yes, this time around, it was a, it was a really a resounding defeat for the squad. But they did have a victory by getting it passed in the first place, where they got it out of the, uh, of the bill for the funding through December. So it was put back in. But how did they get it taken out in the first place? That's my question. Well, it was really a, a, a complicated procedural insider baseball thing, but I'll explain it to you if you want me to. The... There was a thing called the CR, the Continuing Resolution, uh, which where there was negotiated, was pretty bipartisan agreement. I think the Republicans would have voted for it. But then added to that was the suspension of the debt ceiling, which we do all the time. We did it, you know, met multiple times under the Trump administration with bipartisan support. It's the last seven suspensions of the debt ceiling have been with bipartisan support. But Mitch McConnell said, I'm not voting for a suspension of the debt ceiling this time. And the Republicans all decided they're going to vote against it. But when the debt ceiling 
was put together with the continuing resolution, uh, and Iron Dome was a part of that. Uh, the Republicans were not going to vote for this, so we had to get all the Democrats to vote for it, or it wouldn't have passed. We only have you know a three vote a majority in the House. We can only afford to lose three votes. Well, when the squad came out and said we're not going to vote for this thing, uh, the continuing resolution, the suspension of the debt ceiling, and Iron Dome. We're not going to vote for this if the Iron Dome is in there. They had to take it out in order to pass the continuing resolution on the debt ceiling. So we passed it, and immediately uh, the Democratic leadership said, we're going to get this on the floor immediately. And we got it on, you know, that was on Tuesday. They got it on today, and we passed it resoundingly 420 to 9. So that's like an insider baseball thing. No, I'm glad you explained it because now we understand how it took place. But the question is, is how do we deal with it? Because you're I mean, very pro Israel. I mean, when, when it's- when everything's said and done, the squad is like, you know, four votes. Now it's maybe six votes uh, of, you know, these crazy uh, left-wing uh, positions that they take on, on certain issues. But listen, I've, I've stood up to these, these folks. I've spoken out publicly on CNN. I've, I've, I send tweets uh, when I disagree with them, especially when it comes on the issue of Israel or anything that I, I perceive as being anti-Semitic uh, in any way. Uh, and that's what you need to do. You need to stand up to people on either side, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, if they're wrong. And you have to stand together with people, even if they're on the other side of the aisle, if they're right. For example, you know, I supported the move of the embassy to Israel when Trump did it. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the move of the embassy to Jerusalem when Trump did it. And, uh, you know, I got criticized for doing that, but it was the right thing to do. And uh, I went against Marjorie Taylor Greene when she made crazy comments about the Holocaust. And I also went against uh, Omar, you know, who's a Democrat, when she made crazy comments that I took as being just plain out wrong about Israel. So uh, it's not easy to do all the time, but you've got to try and stand up for what you think is the right thing, uh, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. No, I'm glad that you stand up, and I appreciate that. But what's happening to our system? Because you're one of the few that does. There's some people that vote complete party line no matter what, and they're very partisan. And we need to have that ability to do what's right, not necessarily what the, the party demands of one. Well, there's there's a couple different factors going on. Number one is, you know, Congress has like a 15% approval rating. People are sick of Congress. They're sick of people fighting with each other. They're sick of everybody pointing fingers. But 90% of the members of Congress get reelected. Now, why is that? Because most members of Congress are in a safe seat because they're gerrymandered. The districts are drawn in a certain way that if you're the Democrat in the Democratic district, you're the Republican in the Republican district, you're going to get elected. Of the 435 seats in Congress, like 385 of them are safe. So what happens in those safe seats? You can't lose if you're the Democrat in the Democratic district, the Republican in the Republican district. You can't lose. The only way you can lose is if you lose a primary. Very few people vote in the primaries. The far right votes in the Republican primary. The far left votes in the Democratic primary. So what happens is these politicians pander to the base. They just, they're not worried about the people. They're not worried about the general public. They're worried about the base because they'll lose the election, if the, the primary election, if the base is against them. So the politicians pander to the base. Then you add on top of that social media. Who are the most followed, most popular people on social media? The people who say the most extreme things, the far right for the Republicans, the far left for the Democrats. Those are the most followed people on social media. So you get that social media is a new phenomenon, but that exacerbates this pandering. Then you have the third factor, which is cable TV. You know, cable TV has been around, but it's really taken off over the past five years, 10 years. 
And, you know, uh, uh, Fox News uh, the, has the highest rated show with Tucker Carlson. Only 4 million people watch that show out of 330 million people in America. But that drives the news. And on the left, you got MSNBC. Only two or three, maybe four million people sometimes watch that show. But that drives the news. Well, the Fox is on the right. MSNBC is on the left. It's not like the old days where we all watch the same TV shows. We watch CBS and ABC and NBC. And it was all the same kind of news. A little bit different. Different personalities trying to find the truth. But now it's these, these cable news shows are trying to sell advertising and they're trying to entertain you and, and get you all ginned up and they're just trying to pander to their base. So first you have the pandering by the politicians, then you have the social media, then you have cable news, and then you have the worst thing of all, the worst, most dangerous thing that we have to deal with, which is that our foreign adversaries, Russia at the top of the list, but then you can add China and North Korea and Iran, and they are using social media and other sources to spread disinformation and civil unrest. They'll take an issue that has a kernel of truth, and they'll blow it up and get us to all hate each other and be mad at each other and say, what are those people, crazy? Because we'll keep on seeing this stuff on social media, but it's really like phony accounts by bots trying to promote uh, negativity. So they'll take Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter, and they'll blow it up into these crazy things. And people say, what's happening to our country? They'll get people protesting and going against each other. And it's really small percentages of the overall population, but it just got gets blown out of proportion by the foreign adversaries using social media to do that. And this is not like a conspiracy theory. We know this from the intelligence agencies that the Russians did this in both the 2016 and the 2020 elections, trying to get everybody all fired up. That's where I think the spikes in anti-Semitism come. That's where the spikes in anti-Asian hate violence that we saw come. Uh, you know, these things are real. Anti-Semitism is real, for example. There's no question about it. Uh, but these things are exacerbated by our foreign adversaries trying to feed us on hate and feed us on disliking each other and disliking our own country. And that's true, but it's also true that neo-Nazis and nationalists and, and people on the left who are anti-America or anti-Israel are able to mobilize much greater using social media than they did decades ago when they had to do rely on just meetings. So, so made it, it's a much different world where they can unite literally across the world, across the globe. That's absolutely right, Zev. I mean, you know, it used to be if you were a, a crazy nut job KKK person or a neo-Nazi or of a far left anarchist, you'd have to like make your flyers and hand your flyers out. You know, maybe you'll get to a couple hundred houses. Now you just push a button and you get to people all that are like-minded all over the world. As Tom Friedman wrote in his book, thank you for being late. He said the social media and the internet are great for the makers. The people who want to do great things and change the world and share information and positivity and new ideas. But it's also great for the breakers, the people who are trying to break up the world and destroy things. Uh, so we have to be conscious of that. And, you know, I remember when I was in grade school, I had a nun that said, uh, you know, the world is moving. This was in the 60s and 70s. So the world is moving so quickly these days. And at the time, it was the space race. And it was, you know, stuff on television and new medical discoveries. Things are moving so quickly. We haven't figured out how this is affecting us morally, how this is affecting our families, how this is affecting our ethics. Well, that was in the 60s and 70s. Think of how much faster things move today. Oh, boy. Things, are, uh, things change every minute, and we don't even have a chance to figure out how is this affecting us. How is it affecting us that our kids are looking down at their phones all the time, and they're, they, you know, they're interacting on their phones, or they're playing video games, or they're, 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 you know, you've got this, this, everything's technologically driven, or the effects of globalism on the economy. We, don't, we haven't taken the breath to just stop and think, how is this affecting us? Uh, so, you know, things, 
there are people that want to divide us. There are people that want to take advantage of our uncertainty. There are people that want to sow civil unrest. We have to remember that we all kind of want the same things. Who loves me? Who doesn't love me? What's right? What's wrong? Uh, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to take care of my family? And we need to remember our basic values. You know, you know, thou shalt not lie. Pretty simple, basic idea of which our whole country and a lot of the Western world is built upon is the Ten Commandments. But there are places in the world that don't have the Ten Commandments. Right. They don't I mean, have any the, morality. Uh, they don't have any religion. They just uh, have a... And, then, and we're getting... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I mean, they... And we're getting a more secular society in our country. If you look yeah. at young people today, they're getting more and more secular. And that's very, very dangerous. And so we have to get back to how can we embrace basic values of right and wrong uh, and not tear down the institutions that share these values with us. And a lot of the religious communities share those values. But you, And I agree with you that all those factors are changing, but I think even the mainstream media has become more partisan, and I think that's part of the problem, too, is that they don't do what's right in the sense of portraying the news as is. I'm a big believer you have to portray it as is, whether it's good or bad. The news is the news that shouldn't be done with in a biased way. We live in a very, very biased world, unfortunately. Well, I'm 59 years old, and uh, I don't know how old you are. You're probably much younger than me. Uh, well, I'm a drop, the... I'll drop older than you, but that's just only a drop. Okay, so, you know, there was a movie called Broadcast News in, like, probably, oh, actually, probably in the 80s, late 80s and 90s. And, you know, the character William Hurt was in the movie, and, and I forget who the woman was in the movie, but uh, they, they, they talk about the change from journalism on broadcast news, you know, trying to, like you said, uh, lay out the truth, and it changing to entertainment. And we've started to see all the morning shows and all the, you know, talk shows, and the, it's all, it, news has moved much more to entertainment than news about informing us and trying to find the, the truth. And we're all, we're all fractured. We're not all watching the same shows either, so that's even more dangerous. No, it's a very, we very good to... We've got to figure out how to get people back to just basic truth. I, I agree with you totally on that. Now, I miss, and I know that you're a Democrat, but I miss having a more robust two-party system, even in New York, where we can have this discussion and debates. In fact, there is even talk about gerrymandering and making sure that three Republicans will be lose their congressional seats. Even though I understand it's a Democrat, but I like to see that more robust discussion, conversation. I think we're losing it in New York, especially. Well, we've got a big challenge in New York because New York is losing influence in the country. You know, we, we are constantly fighting. We have to fight for New York all the time. It happened to us with 9-11. happened to us with Sandy. It happened to us when they took the state and local tax deduction. That's my big issue, getting the state and local tax deduction back. Uh, it happened to us with getting money for COVID. When I was born in 1962, we had 45 members of Congress from New York State. Today, we have 27 members of Congress, and it's getting reduced to 26 because of the most recent census. And New York needs to be more successful. It needs to be it needs to attract people back to New York again. And we can't be chasing people out of our state because of the taxes and the regulations. But we're the, talking about adding more tax. We're saying tax the rich and tax the corporation, which means more of them are going to run away from New York. Well, I'm all for, I'm all for uh, having corporations and wealthy people pay their fair share, but I don't want them to pay their more in New York versus other places. So, you know, 
that's why the state and local tax deduction is so important, and that's why we need to make New York State more competitive again. Uh, you know, why are the taxes higher in New York than they are in Florida and Texas? Well, number one is we pay our teachers more. We, uh, we pay our civil servants more, our cops more. We, um, we, we, we insure our children. The highest rate of uninsured children in America are in Florida and Texas. One of the lowest rates is in New York and New Jersey. Uh, we have an infrastructure system. We have the greatest mass transit system in the world under threat right now because of COVID and because of crime in New York City, which has to go after. That's why I supported Eric Adams. It's very pro-public safety. Uh, we have to get, we have to, we invest in these things. It causes us to have higher state and local taxes. In Florida, they don't pay their teachers. They don't uh, believe in climate change. They're not doing anything to try and address climate change. They still think it's a hoax. They don't insure their children. They don't have an infrastructure system. They don't have sewers. I mean, they got a big problem with red tide because they have, their septic tanks are leaching out into the, the Gulf of Mexico and out into the Atlantic Ocean. And in Texas, you know, the, the weather got cold. Their whole utility system shut down because they don't have regulation. So we have to find a balance between proper regulation and fair share of taxes, but not make it so onerous that we're chasing people out of our state. Correct. Right. And you have to have a balance. Leaving. That's true. By the way, we have to fix the sewer systems in parts of Long Island, too. Whenever it's a big storm, it's, boy, you should see how it backs up in certain parts of the island. But uh, Well, the storms we just had recently, Ida, you know, I visited people's houses. Sewer systems, stormwater systems are designed to take an inch of rain per hour, maybe an inch and a half. Some places they're trying to do an inch and three quarters. The problem is because of climate change, we just had a storm where there were three inches of rain in one hour. It's impossible. We couldn't design, we couldn't fix the sewer systems, the stormwater systems to fix that. It's just because of climate change, these crazy storm events. We've got a third of the country is on fire, a third of the country is having droughts, and a third of, oh, that's the bell for votes. i got to go in for another vote. And a third of the country is flooding. So, uh, you know, we got to accept the fact that climate change is real. we got to deal with it. Congressman, I want to thank you. Congressman Tom Swazi. Oh, last question. Are you going to run for governor again? We need a new governor in New York. Listen, I would love to be the governor of New York State. Right now, i got to focus on SALT. i got to get the state and local tax deduction back. It used to be you could deduct your, your property taxes, your, your state income taxes from your federal taxes. They took it away in 2017 by capping it at $10,000. That's killing New York State. And so I'm, that's my biggest fight. So if I get that if I get that done, uh, if I get the salt deduction restored, uh, then I'll, I'm going to look very seriously at whether I should do it or not. But right now I'm focused on getting salt done. But one thing I have to get you on and, more and, often and, with us. You have to join us more often on the air. You know what I learned last time I ran for governor, uh, uh, Zev. You know I ran against Elliot Spitzer in the Democratic primary. I got I got buried in that race. Didn't turn out to work well for him either. But I learned one thing in that race: Mensch tracht und got blocked. Ah. Uh, man, man plans and God laughs. I said, oh boy, I'm, but you're going to, we're going to have you giving a Yiddish course on air. <laughs> My daughter, by the way, is All a right. Yiddish major in Oxford University. Anyway, so thank you, Congressman, for being with us. Congressman Tom Swazi of Long Island here on the Talkline Network. We're going to be right back. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, 
please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. Thank you for listening to TalkLine Communications Network, America's leading Jewish radio and TV network since 1981. For continuous nonstop Jewish broadcasting, please go right now online to TalkLineCommunications.com. For more information on all of TalkLine's Jewish radio and TV shows, please call 212-769-1925 or email info at TalkLineCommunications.com. Our 24-hour day listen line is 605-562-5174. That's 24-hour day listen line, 605-562-5174. Thank you for listening. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.